Hey, this is Jessica. And I'm Creighton. And welcome to our brand new podcast. Oh dear lore. We are two friends who love a good story. On this podcast, we will share all kinds of odd and bemusing tales from history, mysteries, legends, and lore. So today we'd like to share with you stories from our local area. And I think Jess is going to get us started off with the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. Yeah, you know, this one hits really close to home because, you know, we went to Horseshoe Bend High School. We were, like, down the road from it, really. <laughs> yeah, like five like, minutes down the road. Do you know they say that they, that actually it occurred in Dadeville, but we all locals know it was actually in New Side, Alabama. I don't know oh. why they call it Dadeville. Because it's on that midsection of the Dadeville I, Highway. I don't care. We deserve that. They're horseshoe. They're not. <laughs> we don't have anything else going for us. We people. don't. We have a yellow, We have a caution light. One Dollar General, one restaurant, and I'm not lying here. <laughs> no, that pretty much sums up our hometown. Yeah, with nothing better to do but ride dirt roads and ride dirt roads. I mean, yeah. Get stuck in mud puddles. Uh, yeah. Have friends come get you at 12 o'clock at night. You know, that happened one time. It was so funny because Nathan's like nice truck couldn't do anything, but then here comes Creighton's little Kia Soul. Meet me. Coming to save the day. That was great. You know, Nathan still hasn't gotten over that. That has, like, killed his pride. And it's been, like, five plus years ago. I'm not going to lie. If you're a big car person, having a Kia Soul <laughs> dude, you probably would kill your pride. Oh, my God. And there were so many, like, deep ruts, too. Especially <laughs> having two burly straight men. <laughs> they're trying, trying to fix best. the car. Yeah. And my, my gas and a Kia Soul shows up. Beep, beep. Get in. Oh we're going God. shopping. Yeah. Come on, losers. Oh, my God. There's so many Mean Girls references we could use. But they're probably copyright. Oh, most definitely copyright. If not, it's a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you have on the Battle of Portia Band? Okay. So, on March 27, 1814, Andrew Jackson defeated the Creeks in not Dateville, Alabama, New Site, Alabama. Okay? Just, just making sure you understand. Just making sure. Which, I know this is probably one of those side things that no one cares about. But Nathan was born on January 27th, and I'm March 22nd. So, that's kind of weird. It was March 27th. I'm just saying, it was, it, was, it was destiny that I would read this. I'm just telling you. Well, I didn't want to read it, so I guess it was destiny. <laughs> you know, and fun fact, Creighton actually worked there during the summer. So it's very odd that he's the person doing this story. Do you know why I didn't do this story? Because when I worked up. there, I had to tell this story so many damn times. I'm ready for someone else to tell it. And if I don't get something right, shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I ain't saying shit. Okay. <laughs> Hey, we're actually friends, I swear. We're just joking. <laughs> Anyways, in the early 1800s, the Upper Creek Native Americans were concerned with the growing amount of white settlers because, duh, you know, for obvious reasons. I do want to start out and say when you're doing, like, history about battles, <laughs> the winner always writes the history. Right. So every time we talk about battles in the future, just keep in mind we're, we're reading the story of those who won. So, out of no disrespect to anybody, you know, we're going to do the best we can to be respectful, okay? So, there was a rift amongst the tribes. Some wanted to be neutral. Others, such as the Shawnee leader Tecumseh, wanted to join together to put a stop to in the diminishment of Native American people and culture. Because, in case you don't know about American history, white folks, <laughs> uh, pretty much when they were coming and they were taking over the Native American lands, they were trying to convert them to Christianity, uh, pretty much destroy their entire culture. Right. Assimilation much. is what yeah. they were shooting for. Exactly. And it's so, so sad. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. But anyways, the war began in 1812 and would come to be known as the Creek War. Yeah. 
So anyway, Andrew Jackson was able to grow a following of 2,000 men and coupled it with 1,000 Lower Creek and Cherokee warriors. To show his strength and maintain order, Jackson had several men executed for panicking under fire. He wasn't having that mess. No, he was known as Stonewall Jackson for yeah. a reason. Yeah. I'm serious. Old Ironside. Yeah. What a douche. <laughs> In fact, the Native Americans even called him Sharp Knife. Yeah. God. That was his pet name. Oh, man. And then we, like, this is him before presidency, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. But anyway, Minowa, who was a very respected leader, had at least 1,000 Red Stick Warriors and at least, at least 350 women and children gathered at Horseshoe Bend for protection. That's so sad. So they're coming. Oh, yeah. Well, Spoiler alert. There's a slaughter, just so you know. It's so and it's so sad because you're like, this is at least 350 children. Well, you also have to realize and, that it was an actual village. It, yeah. It wasn't something that they just ramshackled together as a defense against it. No, it was a, already a village with people living there. Right. And they were trying to defend it. Right. And, uh, you know, there's and a lot warriors. that happened before this, but I'm really talking about the Battle Horseshoe Bend. But pretty much they've been, like, destroying villages left and right. So a lot of these people came to Minowa for protection. So, I mean, which, you know, I just said, but the thing is they had nowhere else. They're just moving on to the next more powerful chief that they can. Right. And to be fair to the U.S., which... You don't have to be because U.S. Yeah, isn't fair to anyone else. Don't deserve it. <laughs> this whole battle for the U.S.'s side actually started when the Red Sticks attacked Fort Mim. Yeah. And slaughtered everybody inside. But you kind of... This is why we're discussing it. You kind of don't blame them. Like, you're destroying everything that they have ever known. You're saying, you know, your religion, your culture, everything you've ever done was wrong. Always. Because we say so. And we've got the guns to make you believe it. Right. It's so sad. And so they actually, talking about what we were talking about, it was a village. They actually made a temporary village called, now I've heard it called Tohepica, and I called it Topeka. I've always called it Tohopeka. Tohopeka. <laughs> but that's because I was sounding it out. And if you can't tell by my voice, I'm white. Yeah. And we're both <laughs> very white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. If you know the actual pronunciation, we would love for you to email us at odearlore at gmail.com and let us know because we love to learn new facts. Absolutely. And Google Translate is almost never right. They never pronounce my last name correctly. Profit. Profit. Seriously. It's easy. Anyways, before I get triggered and we go around here. But yeah, so I'm going to say whatever comes out my mouth, okay? I'm sorry. I'm going to say probably Tohepica or Topeka. I was raised with Topeka. We're going to go with Topeka, okay? Is that okay? Yeah, We're good? that's okay. fine with me. Edding's always our friend. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Anyways, they that was actually a temporary village, by the way. And it was they built that along with a log and dirt barricade almost 400 yards long. And if you ever like get to go to Horseshoe Bend National Park, you really should. You really should, first of all. But it's like a, a zigzag formation. This thing is a bad-looking mother fricker. Just saying. Like, this thing is great. And so their creation was created so well that it was, it made a frontal attack nearly impossible. In fact, Andrew Jackson wrote, It is impossible to conceive a situation more eligible for defense than the one they had chosen. And the skill which they manifested in their breastwork was really astonishing. That kind of gets on my nerves a little bit just because it seems like he's so surprised that they would come up with something like that. Is that you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, no, it is very... Um 
derogatory, I guess. Yeah. Or condescending. That's condescending. The word I'm that's a good for. word. But it's like he's like, I'm just like shocked that they did it. I'm like, homeboy, everything they have, everything that they've ever done was created from their mind and their hands. Also like, from their trades with well, French and Spanish settlers. Well, I'm just but saying, but they can't, you know, a lot of it that they I, came They didn't with, have guns and things like that because well, they yeah, traded with other Europeans. I know, but I'm saying as far as like the barricade and such. Right. Yeah, and so knowing that he couldn't attack the barricade head on, he had his second in command, General Coffey, love that name, and 1,300 men to be stationed on a small island across the creek that would eventually surround the Red Sticks. So actually, I, had, I did not even pay attention to that little island that was there. Oh, you've never paid attention no. to the island? No. I didn't even know that it was there, and I've lived here forever. Do you know what the saddest part is, Jess? What? You've lived here forever, and there's a huge plaque across the river oh, you pull up that says, Coffee Island, and it just tells what you just if said. If you follow me on Instagram, all lowercase Jess20706, just saying, uh, <laughs> I actually took a photo while I was on my little trip to Horseshoe Bend Park and actually walked it for the first time in years. And honestly, as a little kid, you do not pay attention to that stuff. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anyways, Jackson would begin an ineffective attack while Coffee's men would get in position across the across from Tohepica, Topeka, yeah. whichever. Anyways, so pretty much what he was doing is he was a diversion. So if you can't, you know, accurately go to the front, well, then you get him from behind. Right. And so I don't want to say it's smart, but it's smart because this was such a sad day. It really, really, really was. But it was smart. So Coffee would have a group of men swim across the Talapusa to steal the canoes. Pretty much, like I said, you're getting got from the front, the back, and you have nowhere to go. Right. You're, it's, it's not good. So afterwards, men were sent over to attack the actual village. When Jackson saw the smoke rising from the village, he initiated a bayonet charge. Man, they, it's almost like they just didn't even stand a chance. Truth. Well, actually, they... I mean, they were a small force yeah. of organized Native Americans who did have some weapons due to their trades, yeah. but not nearly as much as the U.S. Continental I Army. Know, I know. I'm just so sympathetic, I guess, because, you know, they, they stayed by the water, you know, because, you know, they, there's many reasons why you would stay by water, but you actually created yourself a barrier. You have almost nowhere to go, especially right. when they're coming from the water. So actually, Colonel John Williams led the assault with Sam Houston, the future patriarch of Texas. And this was pretty much begin the absolute slaughter. More than 800 red stick warriors were killed, whereas 49 of Jackson's were killed. That is a big shot. And keep in mind, you know, like I said, there was like a thousand warriors and then eight, more than 800 were killed. So I mean, it's a wipeout, bro. I mean. Which I do have a fun fact. I don't know if you have it in there. Okay. But. Sam Houston right. was actually was shot by an arrow in the groin. <laughs> and when they took him back to the infirmary tent, they pulled the arrow out backwards. Now, anybody who knows how arrows work would know that you do not pull an arrow backwards. You push it through due to yeah. the shape of the head. And yeah. it actually ripped out a large chunk of his groin. Now, I should also mention that when I looked up the word groin when I worked for the park... The groin actually encompasses an area anywhere from like mid calf to like upper belly button, so it may not be his actual um testicles area. Yeah, yeah. this is for mature audiences only. <laughs> okay, but I love the fact that you actually googled what a groin was. 
Well, actually, I looked it up in an encyclopedia because I was very bored working for the park. I mean, in fact, you yeah. can even see the model of him on their diagram in there. He's yeah. the guy laying with the arrow in his leg in front of the wall. That's yeah. Sam Houston, okay. the founder of Houston, Texas. Yeah. You know, that's what he gets. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but according to the Battlefields of War Encyclopedia, the Battle of Horseshoe Bend was a disaster for the Red Sticks. I mean, it... Like I said, wipe out, man. You can't Slaughter. say it. You can't say it enough. You really can't. Uh, the Tallapoosa may truly be called a river of blood, for the water was so stained that at night it was still so bloody it could not be used. Those, those are the words of Lieutenant Alexander McCullough. Man, that because oh, you gotta think. Okay, so whenever they're getting attacked from the front and pretty much from the back, all they can do is run into the water at that point, which right. they're getting shot. So I mean, if they're not drowning, if they're not making it. They're just going, you know, they're just getting shot and they're going right down the creek. I mean, that's it. Right. It's so sad. But this is what really kind of pissed me off. I'm kind of a believer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, as if it all didn't upset me. But I'm a believer if you're a leader, you go down with your ship, you go down with your people. Chief Chief Minowa does not do that. No. He actually was, he was wounded, but he played dead until nightfall, crawled into a canoe and floated away. But you know what? No. Here's what I'm going to say. If it's a slaughter of uneven proportions, because this isn't a war you might could come back and win and rally some more forces, to be honest, they were never going to win. No. As portrayed by my story later. <laughs> so I, let me tell you this, though, because I did not get a credible source, so I did wasn't going to say it, but I am going to say it. Keep in mind, this is not a credible source that said this, okay? So with that being said, I had read that Chief Minowa told his his warriors that they were going to be guided by the spirits and protected by the spirits so that they may be shot, but they were not going to die. And if that's true, he is a douchebag, and I don't like him. He is not a true G, and he's not a ride or die. But like I said, that was a non-credible, it was, you know, it was not a credible source. But if it is true, I don't like him. That definitely sounds more like a story of someone who thought that they were untamable, ungodly st- savages, really. Yeah. More than it does an actual right. record. Right. So. Right. So that's why I was like, mm, not going to put it in here. But it is, I guess you can mention it, but just really keep in mind that that is probably not a fact. But either way, homeboy, you do not get to run. No. That is not okay. <laughs> No, he's not a ride or die. No, not Chief Minowong. But anyways, following the defeat, the remaining warriors signed the Treaty of Fort Jackson, forcing the Creeks to give up 20 million acres to the U.S. government, which is pretty much more than, like, about half Alabama at the long run. And, you know, by the way, about Chief Minowong, you know, there's been a lot of speculation on what happened to him. Some people say that he went on to other villages. Some say that they don't know. So, I haven't gotten a... You know, for fact, what happened with him? All we know is he right, ran no off. definite answer. Yeah, no definite. Which you gotta think, you know, if it didn't involve someone who would write it down, then you're never gonna know. Right. Either way, ran off, and he's a punk. He's a punk bitch for that. <laughs> Anyways, I am so angry about that. But in 1830, now President Andrew Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act, forcing remaining Native Americans onto the reservations on the Trail of Tears, which. You know, I know, I think you're going to talk more about that. So I'm not going to go into it, but that is so devastating. And so it's good to, or something you should know, um, a lot of people who are native to the New Site area all seem to have at least some Creek blood. Mm-hmm. So which would 
it would kind of say there was potential rapes and and other things like it's far darker than just a slaughter in the end of the day right know? and not all creeks cherokee and all that were removed from the area right. it was the ones who refuses to bow to the government and integrate into society right. Because according to the courts, they were supposed to be sovereign nations, right. which meant that they could make their own laws, their own practices on their own land. Mm -hmm. But there was no respect for that. And so no. most of the states actually went uh, forward with trying to force them to convert and assimilate with society. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much... If you want to know the history of America, just on the off chance that we have some Europeans who listen here, um, you don't do what white people want. They destroy your life, and then they move you out of the way, pretty much. No, I think Europeans are pretty much set on that definition, too, because it happens everywhere I in mean, history. Oh like, God. did you not realize that England owned half of the world at one point yeah i'm just really talking about american history though for right now oh i know but we got it from our empirical forefathers thanks <laughs> so i guess i'm gonna pick up where you second. left off i do want to say that you know at horseshoe high school we went you know it's by the way it's on highway 22 in new site just saying not dateful anyways <laughs> i feel like it's you know it's kind of odd looking back now that our mascot is the general General Andrew Jackson. Yeah, he's, he was our mascot. Which, by the way, creepiest freaking mascot in the world. When we were younger, they had an actual Andrew Jackson head. They used to have <laughs> people. And that, like, shook me to the core. Which is probably one reason I'm so anti-Andrew Jackson to this day. But I do want to make a note that, you know, though the mascot is a general in honor of General Jackson, um, it is crucial to remember the natives that did die to... Tra they died tragically for protecting their culture and people for the sake of expansion in the end yeah and i just i do want to have a memory for them okay so respectfully keep that in mind but please do come by and check out uh, horseshoe bend national park i think it's a beautiful place and if you want to show your children history please do come okay and plus they can get a stamp in their junior ranger book shut up <laughs> no one does that you would actually be surprised at how many grandparents show up with grandkids and go, can I get that stamp? And you go, I, I think we're out of the stamp. We haven't used it in 20 years. Uh. If, you, if, if you, in fact, do that, please, I'm begging you. Call ahead so we can order ink. Well, <laughs> but email us and let us know because I want to know how many people out there do. But I'm not going to lie. It's a fascinating program to go to each national park and get a stamp because it's just like a passport that you would get going to other countries. That's country. kind of cool. You yeah. know, they also have a really cool thing now that I actually did when I was walking through there. And they have it where you call a number and it will give a recording as if, yeah, it is so cool. Oh my gosh, I'm so for it. So what happens? So you call this number. And then you tell them at what stop you're at, and they will tell you history. Like, it's recording. Oh, it is really cool. I like that. I do. It's really That's cool. That's way more advanced than me having to walk out. <laughs> no. Right here is Coffee Island. And no, there's no coffee there. What a dang shame. <laughs> I know. I love my coffee. All right. So <laughs> yeah. Since I unintentionally cut you off a second no, ago. No, it's all right. I'm going to start <laughs> with my story. And my story actually isn't fully about Alabama. Okay. Mine is actually how Tulsa, Oklahoma got its name from the oh, Creek Indians who from actually Alabama. Came, yeah. And I've been like mid-Georgia. Like we have to point out they were also in Georgia. Yeah, they were. So, 
The Indian Removal Act, as you said, was signed into law in May 28, 1830 by General Andrew Jackson. <clears throat> and the law allowed the president to, quote-unquote, negotiate with Southern yeah, Native okay. American tribes, trading their native ancestral lands for land west of the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew Jackson thought this was a great idea. And he actually thought that having them move out west away from their ancestral homes was the most humane thing that could happen to them. And the sad part is that with the aggression amping up between the Native Americans and the white settlers constantly fighting for more and more land, he might have been right. Like there's many historians who believe that had the Native Americans stayed where they were at, then eventually white settlers would have destroyed their entire culture. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, in this odd betrayal of history, I guess, Andrew Jackson did unfortunately save Native American culture, if you want to say that, because I feel kind of icky saying that. Yeah, I don't want to say that, but I also understand what you're saying. Right, like I don't know how to describe that, because like I said, it makes me uncomfortable to say he saved Native American culture. It could be worse without it still being good. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, yeah. So, please, no hate emails about that statement. I've already admitted I did not like phrasing it that way. I just did not know a better way to say it. So... Uh, their homelands were being given to white settlers as they made deals, and many of the creek, as you mentioned, actually gave up large portions of their land at the uh, the Treaty of Fort Jackson. Yeah. After the battle in 1814, Andrew Jackson had a treaty with a lot of the chiefs from the uh, Creeklands. Yeah. And at the thing, Andrew Jackson went in and very much like a politician said, hey, I remember your help. And he pointed out because some of the Creeks had actually helped him capture yeah. the Red Stump. Right. The, not the Red Sox. <laughs> that's a baseball team. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Red Sticks. Right. And so he went in there and he acknowledged. He said, you have helped us in many ways, done many things. And he goes, but mm, since y'all didn't slit Tecumseh's throat yourself, you all got to pay. And so all of the Creek Nation actually had to try and give in to some of his land demands and he actually demanded 23 million acres of land which no yeah (laughs) like which like no right like i don't we're gonna have that on a t-shirt later for sure which Which, like um, no no. yeah so (laughs) that was actually a very odd thing that you had mentioned, but as you said, he only got 20,000 acres yeah. out of them in that concession. Which means he mostly got what he wanted, though. Right. And now, mind you, a lot of my research on this came from several historical websites right. and then Wikipedia to fill in the... If we're being real. <laughs> the yeah. dead spots. <laughs> I like to give credit where credit is due, and Wikipedia saved my ass today and we do keep our sources by the way if there are any questions we do keep our sources and we will send you anything that you want to know right just send us an email and ask so the law actually only lasted for 11 years Mm. which encompassed two presidencies starting with andrew jackson who signed into law and going into martin van buren who was only president for one term because because yeah i I, I had to do do you, the only reason I know Martin Van Buren is because 
I had to do a paper on him Ms. in Boy fifth class. grade. Yeah, Miss Boyd. I had JFK. I had like the easiest present. Do you know why I got Martin Van Buren? Why? Because I missed the day of class where it was announced, and he was the oh. only one left. Yeah, that's that's how I got stuck with Martin Van Buren. Um, no disrespect to his family if they, for, for some stupid reason ever listened to our podcast. And the oddest part about this law is, which I guess it's not odd looking in a historical context, yeah. but it was supported by most Americans. In fact, there was only one political party that opposed it in Congress. Do you know which political party that was? I don't know. Was? What is it? It was the Whig Party, which later produced Abraham Lincoln. I cannot believe I just forgot his name. <laughs> well, you look like you looked at me for help. I was like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, I'm on my own there. But no, <laughs> the Whig Party produced Abraham Lincoln later on, yeah. who signed the Emancipation, Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation. Are you okay? I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a <laughs> So, oh, uh, this law affected many of the tribes. That included the autonomous tribes of the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, the Muscogee slash Creeks, uh, the Seminoles, and the Cherokee Nations. And at the time, they were known as the Five Civilized Tribes, hmm. which showed you how much respect people had towards the tribes at the time. Because it's like, oh, there goes well, these people can speak. There's those good savages. I mean. Right. Like. What an odd statement. You come to someone else's home and go, hmm, well, I guess it's not all shit. <laughs> like, who does that? Low key, I think that's it, my husband, Nathan, every time we go over to somebody's house. <laughs> low key. Or maybe not so low key since I'm telling everybody now. But Yeah, no, it is no longer low key. We're never going to be invited anywhere after this. You'll be invited to my house. Yeah, you have a nice house. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Native Americans. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. And another fun fact, the idea of relocating Native tribes was actually first proposed by George Washington. Hmm. Yeah, so it had been an idea just bouncing around for a while, and finally Jackson's like, That's a let's long move on time. That. Oh, yeah. That's a really long From time. From 1776 all the way to 1830. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 60-something years. Yeah, we're going on a whole century, I mean, truthfully. Yeah. Actually, I think that's 50-something years. I'm really bad at math, people. I Shut up! <laughs> so, the act and what was caused by that has actually been referred to as a genocide because it mm. discriminated against only one ethnic group, the Native we, Americans, right. and so many of them died on the trek to where they were yeah. going. And so the Cherokee Nation strongly opposed the legislation, but nothing came of that. Right. <laughs> no one listened. The government caused a forced removal of the tribes known as the Trail of Tears. Yeah. And I think due to my research, if I'm not getting this wrong, the Trail of Tears was mainly coined by members of the Cherokee Nation. Okay. And so I don't know if it applies to all the nations mm-hmm. or if it just applies to the Cherokee. But for our purposes, it was pretty much the same path and it had the same effect. Right. So we're going to call it the Trail of Tears yeah. all the way for the Creeks too. And so this force removal left large swaths of land in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, probably a little bit of Tennessee, and I think a small portion of North Carolina left open 
for the white settlers to come in and start their farmlands and yeah. things like this. So sad. So our story today is mainly going to focus on the creeks from mid-Georgia and Alabama, right. which is where we're from, right here in Midland, Alabama. Right. So after the War of 1812, which included the Battle of Horseshoe Bend, many of the Cherokee leaders had signed the treaty that gave up more of their land to General Jackson, as I said. And after they gave up this land to him, it was actually signed into law by the Creek Nation, not by the U.S. government, that any more concessions of land were illegal and punishable by death, meaning that their leaders were not allowed to give up any more land. In fact, they actually um, assassinated one of the Cherokee leaders who had signed the treaty with Jackson over the fact that so much of their native lands were given up. Right. And so, as years went on, the Creeks had their land, and and it just got worse and worse. More white settlers were infringing on the areas around them, and so the Creek National Council requested help from the federal government because they were actually being persecuted and removed by the states. Like, the states were coming in and just starting stuff on Native American lands like farms and yeah. towns and when the Creeks would go to the state the state would go that wasn't our land I, th I thought that was our land yeah. and then when the Creeks go no it was our land states would pretty much go what you gonna do about it yeah so the Creek Na uh, the Creek National Council actually requested help from Andrew Jackson's government to help it but no one did anything yeah. Like, they just let the states keep furthering infringing on these sovereign nations because Andrew Jackson believed that they could not be a truly sovereign nation. Either they had to assimilate to the laws of the states in which they were in because he didn't believe you could or carve out just a chunk of land and say, all right, laws don't apply here, which there were laws. Yeah. The Creeks had laws. But that's not the way that Andrew Jackson them saw it. So he saw the removal west of the Mississippi where there was no states at the time. There wasn't anything really out there. Adds to be the better for the Native Americans and their sovereignty because there was no state governments in which for them to feud with. So as the disenfranchised uh, uh, Creeks got angrier and angrier, a small band of them started raiding the area farms and committing other acts of violence. And most of this was only retaliated against the states. Like, only the states put up with it. Yeah. But, after the destruction of a Georgia village named Roanoke in May of 1836, an open war started with the actual national government and the Creeks. And the Creek, it was known as the Creek War of 1836. Mm. And it Round was the, two, pretty much. Right. Yeah. It was the only reason that was needed by the Secretary of War, Lewis Cass, to take the lands and force the Creeks to move west to the Mississippi and Oklahoma. And this is the background in which our legend takes place. And now, I must admit that I couldn't find this legend through my research because most of it was only based on the historical like facts right. of the removal. And most of it was written from the point of view of the American forces. Mm -hmm. So this legend actually was told to me by someone here in town. Okay. That um, 
after the Creek War of 1812, when the Creek Indians from Central Alabama, Georgia, were being forced to move west on what was basically a death march yeah. by the U.S. Army, it was said that a, um, a Creek chief named Tuckabachi and his people, as their village was actually being oh. burnt, and for those of you who can't see it, I actually just pulled out a mug <laughs> that came from my Boy Scout camp called Camp Tuckabachi, which was named in honor, I do believe, of Tuckabachi and his Surely. people. It is said that they, uh, on their last night in their town, they took embers from the fire in the center of their town, and they put them into a leather patch. And as they walked, each night, the whole procession would stop. And they would start a new fire to cook and stay right. warm and things like this. Because this whole trip could take anywhere from 104 days to 186. So that's anywhere from about four to six and a half months. Yeah. And most of the people had to walk, move by boat, train. It was a very complex removal of massive amounts of people. In fact, just out of the creeks, 15,000 mm. people were moved at one time. But every night, they would take their leather pouches and they would empty the embers from their old town back into the fire. Yeah. And it was a symbol of carrying the fires of their old homes into this new uncharted territory in which they were going. So every night, they would pour it in and every morning, they'd scoop up the embers from that flame back into their leather pouches and they'd continue walking. Yeah. Well... They walked until they came to what is modern-day Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And when they got there, it was announced that this was Creek land because each one of the Native American nations actually was given a large settlement of land that was all their own. Right. It wasn't a shared communal space like the Creeks and the Cherokee were not having to share a national bit of land. They had their own separate nations in which they could do pretty much whatever they wanted. The U.S. government just didn't want them in their way. Yeah, pretty much. So, it is said that Tecumseh and some of the people from the Lochapoca tribe... Oh, it's from, yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah. Lochapoca is a small town here in Alabama, about a mile west yeah. of Auburn, I do believe. Yeah. And the Lochapoca Indians and uh, Chief Tuckabachi. They went in and they found a tree and it reminded them of the Large Creek Council tree back mm. here in Alabama, which stood in Tallahassee, which was the Indian word for old town. Yeah. And so when they got there, it is said that they dug a small hole and they all emptied their embers into the ground in front of the tree and then buried them back. And that is how they started their settlement. Yeah. right there and now this new settlement was actually called i'm i'm trying my best to pronounce this people it is called talasa i i do believe so if i am wrong please send me an email and also if you know how to say it Please phonetically spell it out for yeah. me because I struggle sometimes and I'm trying to be as respectful as I right. can. So if I have offended anyone, please forgive me. I do not speak Creek. So 
over the years, going from the uh, the Indian word Talasa, which means town. Yeah. And it was taken from the original old town of Talasi. Yeah. Then uh, over the years, through white people moving in and taking more lands and going back on the government's promises, Tulsa came into existence. Oh, okay. And that is how Tulsa, Oklahoma got its name. Or that is how the legend was passed on to me. And that's how I'm passing the legend on to them. Because oral history, man. Right. The South is full of oral history. Absolutely. And half of it, you never know if they're actually telling the truth. I mean, we do have a legend of a pig man, so which we might talk about. <laughs> I'm probably not gonna do that, but you know. I have no clue what the pig what? man is. Okay. I... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's actually the end of the oh, story. Oh, okay, great. So pigman, I'm just kidding. But that's really beautiful. It, it really, really is. And so if you ever come to Alabama, because I don't know why you would, unless you're just a native, but... Or, you know, maybe just traveling through to get to better places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe Birmingham. Yeah. Maybe. maybe Birmingham. Maybe. Going to the beach. Or, go, oh. yeah, the Gulf. But anyway, if you ever do come, you'll find that there are a ton of places here in Alabama that have Native American names, you know. Um, we have Saugahatchee. We do. Oh, we have yeah. Saugahatchee. We have, I wonder if Tallahassee, since like it's like Tallahassee, so mm. what does Tallahassee mean? Do you know? I think it, I think Tallahassee itself means town. Town. Because I do believe, from my research, Talasi, if that's how you pronounce it. Right. Because they had it kind of phonetically spelled out, but it, it was still hard to pronounce. Yeah. Means town itself. And then uh, Hasi means uh, old. Old. So, okay. Gotcha. Old so, tal okay, gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. That's cool to know. Yeah. We got walked away with something new today. I know, right? I know, right? You know what? I've had a lot of fun doing this, I Jess. I do, too. And we would actually like to thank y'all for tuning in for our first episode. Thanks. We are going to have a lot more of just fun and interesting stories for y'all. So tune in next week when we're going to be doing a horror mystery type vibe episode. Whoop, whoop. So thank you all for joining us today. We hope you have a great day.